You know, if you're uh, interested in a podcast, we've got four different podcasts that are at that address. You can go find them. If you're uh, listening to the radio or you're down in the Fox Valley area, Green Bay, there's Q90, and, and you can listen to that. And uh, the three-minute devotional that's on there is on a podcast here, uh, as well as one called Nighttime, where I try and put you to sleep. Very dangerous for a speaker to help people go to sleep. Yeah, I know. It's not a good thing to do, but I do. Uh, because I think it's critical to do that. There's also one where Jason and I, it's called Younger and Older, we have a discussion. It's also on Q90 there, I think, 7 o'clock Sunday nights. And then uh, there's a new one we're starting called, Podca- um, called uh, Foster Family Connect, where we're trying to help foster families and, and people involved in that, encourage them and train them a little bit. It's just a short, uh, it's usually 12 to 15 minute little ditty <laughs> that, that hopefully will encourage people in that area. So feel free to take advantage of those. And uh, I doubt, though, once you've heard me speak here, I doubt I'll say anything I haven't already said because there's nothing new to say. Uh, so it's all old stuff. So if you want to listen to old stuff, you, you know, you can go there and, oh, yeah, I heard this before. Just keep listening to it, I guess. Now, did you ever go to a restaurant and, and see what they're offering? Get your, your taste buds all up, you know, for something like this. But then you get this. <laughs> you know, expectations in life are pretty funny sometimes. I mean, you get... You, I don't know how many times I've ordered something and looked at it and go, really? That's it? That, that's it? Right there? Or how about all of these? You know, I mean, you know, it's right, right there, just the pepperonis. And then you, you order a, I've had this actually happen. Happy birthday to Adam with blue flowers. <laughs> no, I meant with blue flowers. Not with blue flowers. You know, sometimes in life, one of the the small group things I have there is called Beyond the Expectations, because their expectations are so important in life. People who end up being uh, really struggling with depression and anger and anxiety often are doing so because their expectations are wrong. And since life is delivering something other than what's expected, and they don't know how to change that, their expectation of God is off. You know, God's their sugar daddy. He's not. But if that's your expectation, then you're going to be very disappointed in him. That's why truth is so important for us to grab, because truth doesn't give you the wrong expectation. And, And really, then you can live. Because you have, you know, here, here's, here's what I've understood in life. When I got married, I married a sinful person. She married a sinful person. It's not that we're trying to sin more, but there are times where each of us can disappoint the other one. I'm not surprised by that. This doesn't derail our relationship. It doesn't derail anything. It's just, mm, what do you do when it happens? See, now I'm ready for it. Because when it happens, there's something I have to do. Not if it happens. So having a a right understanding of what's really going to happen and expectation. I love in the Bible when we get verses that just give us, here's what you got to know. 
Uh, Zechariah 8, 16 and 17. These things, these are the things that you shall do. Don't you love it when a leader tells you, here's what you need to do. Not, I hope you do something and do it well. And you do it and they go, that's not what I meant. Well, tell me what you meant. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Is that, is that overly difficult? You know, speak the truth. Now, the, the reason you speak, and, and I'm not saying you're, you know, you don't go to people and just be crazy blunt and hurt them, but speak the truth. The, the goal is that people can count on you for knowing what the truth is because you talk truth. Speak the truth to one another. Render your, in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. That seems pretty simple so far. So you have to have a criterion. If it's true, you have to have a criterion because belief systems are not criterions. You can believe in whatever you want, and belief by itself doesn't mean it's true. You can have a very sincere belief, and belief itself doesn't make it true. So, so right away, you have to dismiss that idea that just because I believe something, it's true. Or just because my parents believe something, it's true. Or just because my church believes something, it's true. Or just because the government believes something, it's true. No, the belief idea is doesn't, isn't a criterion for truth. It doesn't mean you don't believe things. It just means it's not a criterion for truth. So you are going to believe things. Hopefully you believe truth. But realize that all of us collectively can believe something and all be wrong. Because the belief part isn't what makes it right. That's why you have discussions. That's why you don't get angry with each other when you're talking about things, because we all have perspective, we all have an understanding, we all have gone through certain experiences in life that other people haven't. So, so you go through and you have this discussion. And, and you can understand things from a different perspective because what you're trying to do is evaluate it on the truth, not on, again, even your perspective. You do realize that God doesn't have a perspective. And some people say, well, from God's perspective, I think, of course, I, I know I think too philosophically. I know I'm guilty of that. But when they say, well, God has this perspective, he has no perspective. Why? Because he never sees things from a certain angle. He sees things. Everything God sees is right. So there's no perspective there. I have a perspective. He does not. Don't give God characteristics he doesn't have. God doesn't have an opinion. I do. He doesn't. So... When you think of things, that's why we can have discussions about things. Because you and I, guess what? We have perspective. We have opinions. We have belief systems. God doesn't. That's why I go to him. That's why we talk about what he says. Because now we have a criterion for which to evaluate the truth. And we're not doing it on perspective. We're not doing it on belief. We're not doing it on history. We're not doing it on, 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 on habits. We're, we're doing it on God's word. So when we have a discussion, we're trying to figure out what he said. 
And, and then, if that's where the starting point is and the agreement point is, then we can have civil discussions. We may end up not agreeing, actually, with what he said, what, what we think he said. I understand that. But it doesn't change the point of trying to figure out what he said. And, and us respecting each other in the journey of trying to figure that out. Because all of us are going to come with certain biases, which God, by the way, doesn't have biases. Isn't that interesting how we keep making God in our own image? It's like he must have perspective, he must have opinion, he must have biases, he must be tolerant. And then you look at him, he's not tolerant, he has no opinions. He has to... Okay, well, so he's not so much like me. No, he's not. Speak the truth to one another, render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Judgments that make for peace. Not the peace the world gives, by the way. Understand what's being said here. Peace with God. There is no peace apart from first peace with God. The rest of it isn't peace. The rest of it is just holding things down so they don't explode. Render your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Don't, don't do that. Don't be looking for ways to pay people back and do things to people and hurt. Don't do that. Honestly, I hope that all of you can get in the habit. If somebody wrongs you, I hope, I hope your first thought is, you're going to have to answer to my father. And you let it go. Jesus on the cross, man, he could have wiped all those people out. They were actually all wrong. You think they knew they were crucifying God? No, they didn't think they were. So they were wrong. And Jesus just said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Me? Father, punch them. <laughs> they're irritating me. You know, it's wonderful to be able to go to God and say, God, that, you know, that guy cheated me. That, 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 that. See, I'm not, we're not after peace in the worldly sense. Stephen didn't fight back. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't fight back. Daniel didn't fight back. Joseph didn't fight back. These are guys that are listed as people who did it right. Render your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your heart against one another. And love no false oath. Don't, don't just align yourself with people who are telling lies so that you can feel good about what you believe. For all these things I hate, declares the Lord. Whoa. God's pretty specific there. I, I do, God would say, I do hate some things. Now, I, I think it's absolutely wrong to hate people. And my wife will always get on me because I'll go, I hate that. But she goes, you shouldn't hate, that's a horse. I can hate a horse. Yeah, I can hate any chainsaw but a steel. Thank you. Those are objects that have no meaning. You don't hate people. When God uses the word hate, he hates these things that drive us 
to believe lies because lies are of the evil one. So you and I have to have a standard to keep figuring out the way it's meant to be and adjust to it. Because the evil one is always eroding that, always. Somehow I gotta get you away from the simplicity of the way it's meant to be. Because the way it's meant to be is actually simple, not difficult. And so Satan will complicate it. Let me, let me show you in the Garden of Eden. So don't eat of this tree. Got it. Simple. Satan comes and starts, do you really think? And let's make this more complicated than it is. You know how simple it was? God said, don't eat it. That's how simple it was. Before Eve is done, it's like, do you know what God really meant? By do not eat it? I think I got that phrase. No, no, no. Let's complicate it. Let's make it a little bigger than your imagination. Do you know how many things are simple in the Bible? When you look at it, simple. As a husband, I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Boop, done. Oh, I know. The Bible is so simple that an eight-year-old can grasp its major concepts and so profound that you and I could talk about it for the rest of our lives. It's got both characteristics. But don't get lost in the profound. It's the simple that will lead you to being awed by the profound. Because it works. Because God says it. It's the way it is. That's why I can rejoice in my, my position as a child of God. Because of, like I told you last night, I get to rejoice in the fact that God loves me and wants me, sent his son to pay for my sins, and I'm in his family. Woo, that's me. And you say, well, you don't deserve it. I go, you are so right. That's what makes it so wonderful. You know, it, you know when somebody comes up, you, you know how you quell an argument? Somebody comes up and goes, that was stupid. And you go, yes, it was. And they go, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Why? They have nothing else to tell you. You just did something you shouldn't do. My wife hates one of my phrases in life. It's, it's, she'll hear me say something like, that ain't good. First of all, she's a grammarian. So the ain't part, she wishes I would just use a different word. But it's usually because I just put a screw through my hand or did something. And, you know, it's like the other day, right, I'm using a grinder in the garage and I cut my hand and cut right to the bone here. And I'm going, oh, man, that ain't good. And, and so I go in and, you know, I'm holding it and I'm on blood thinners and stuff. And Linda goes, what'd you do? Well, I, I uh, ground my finger. I said, can you help me put a butterfly on this? She goes, what will you need to do not to do that again? And I said, think. <laughs> Discussion was over. I didn't say, I didn't say that it was a bad grinder. I didn't say it was, I, I just said, you know, I really shouldn't have done this. I did it. I'm kind of an idiot at times. And my wife goes, Discussion over. <laughs> What else can you say to somebody who owns it? Right? I can't. If, you, if I came to you and said, boy, you know what? You, you, say, you tell me I'm struggling with diet and weight. And I say, we don't exercise enough. You go, yeah, I know. I say, okay, well, I'm done. I, but if you're going to defend ba bad decisions, you're going to have to do that the rest of your life. You're going to have to get on you know, a major news channel or something and, and, and keep doing it. And, and all of a sudden, you're talking forever and the talking heads keep doing it. 
It's just really hard when someone takes ownership of life to go after them in a negative way. So if you came and said, boy, you know what? In your religion, you're, you're kind of a worthless guy. I go, I know. Okay, well, I don't have to convince you that. No, you don't. So you really have nowhere to go. Because the only reason I have the status I do is because of God's goodness. I'm not good. So anytime you tell me I'm not, I agree with you. God hates certain things because they drive us away from him. He wants you and I to have the right expectations, the right understanding of life. That's what he wants. What can or should we expect? Because there's a passage in Matthew 24 where one of the lines says, and many will fall away and betray one another or hate one another. At, at some time in the future, at some time, Jesus is saying there's going to come a time where many people will fall away and hatred will be more prevalent than love. Even within the church. Very sadly, I think this last pandemic we've gone through has shown how much hatred could take place in the church over stupid things. I know. How dare I say such things? You guys all know that. We shouldn't be dividing churches over whether you wear masks or not. Look, Matthew 24 says, And he sat on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus, and the disciples came to him privately. Again, I always, I, I always picture over-imagination that I have. You know, Jesus just sitting there, just kind of staring into the world. Like, you, you can't, this is God. What's going on in the head, God? You know, I mean, everything that's going on there is true. Tell us. So the disciples came to him privately and they said this, tell us. Love it. You know, it's like, God, tell us. You guys ever sit with God, open the Bible and say, God, just tell me? Tell me what I need to hear. It's really a good thing to do. Don't have an agenda. Don't go to the Bible to try and prove something. Go to the Bible to try and know God. If you're going to try and prove something, you're, you're probably going to. Because you're just looking to try and prove something. There, there's people that are going to the Bible to prove that God approves, you know, homosexual lifestyle. And I'm thinking, boy, you messed that one up. You, Satan loves to take God's word and twist it and turn it and move it wherever he wants to because he knows that's the authority. So don't mess up the authority of God's word. Go to it and ask him what you need to learn. Don't go to it to prove anything. And in the end, what's true will get proven if you do that. So they said on the mount, and they said, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Okay. Give us what we need to know for the right expectation. And Jesus answered them. Now remember, this isn't some pastor. This is God talking. And Jesus answered them. See that no one leads you astray. It's funny that he starts there. Why does Jesus start with that line? Because you and I are so easily led astray. You know the sheep thing I told you about? You know what sheep love to do? If, if you ever watch sheep, they keep their head down, and they, they like nibble on this tuft of grass right here. They never bring their head up, and they never finish that tuft, but they see that one. 
and they move over there. Then they see that one, and they move over there. Before you know it, they're walking off a cliff. They get their head down, and they're doing one of those numbers, and you and I, are, we're sheep. Sometimes we're so busy in the stuff of life, we fall over cliffs. We didn't mean to. We were just eating a tuft of grass. The other thing that sheep do, I don't think sheep are dumb, by the way. I, I really don't have to do any research on them. I think they have this overwhelming, this overwhelming desire to follow. And I think God calls us sheep for a reason. I think you and I have it. We were made with an overwhelming desire to follow. So you are following something. I promise you, you're following something. Because you're made to follow. And that's what Satan keeps doing. He's trying to get you to follow the wrong stuff. Follow him, follow wrong advice, follow the politicians, follow whatever. And God says, remember what Jesus told all the disciples in his famous, here's how you recruit people? Follow me. It's really about following. Sheep, what, what happens is this overwhelming desire to follow causes them to just blindly go after and do things that some other sheep do. So it's, I'm not surprised that Jesus starts by saying, don't let anyone lead you astray. Don't follow people down the wrong path. The connotation before he tells them what the expectation will be is, there will be many who will try and get you not to think in these terms. Don't listen to them. That's all he's saying to start with. Now, when somebody who knows everything starts with that phrase, then you have to realize that it's going to be a real challenge to not be deceived because that's what he started with. The only protection I can offer anybody, the only protection I can have is staying in God's word. Really, it is. That's it. That's my only protection. It isn't the speakers I go listen to. It isn't podcasts of anybody. It's really staying in God's word. God's word has to be my, my go-to for everything. It has to be the standard. If that happens, anytime someone is outside of that, I know it. Um, it's, it's like, and I know you've heard this illustration, but it's like if, if you're somebody who's supposed to um, identify counterfeit bills, all they want you to do is study the real thing. Because no matter how they try and counterfeit it, if you know the real thing, you'll know it. And if you keep trying to study how they counterfeit it, there's so many ways they try and do it that you might get confused. So just be so aware of the real thing that the counterfeit is so obvious. I've had uh, people come to me and say, so are you familiar with you know, what, what uh, people in uh, Buddhism really believe? I said, no, what do they believe? Well, how can you teach and not be familiar with that? I know what the Bible says. You tell me what Buddhism says, and I'll tell you how it fits. See, I know what the truth is, so when you present something to me, I can evaluate it on it. And I've done that many times, just because you know what it says. So Jesus starts by saying that. He says, and Jesus has to see that no one leads you astray. For many, many is the word he uses, many. For many will come in my name. 
what's really scary about this is that in, in some respects, you're saying many will be involved in the church kind of thing. In other words, they're, they're coming in my name. They're coming as if they represent me. That is the sneakiest way Satan can get us, is by putting us listening to people who are the inside people who don't really know God. That's the most dangerous position to be in. And many will be there. If you realize, there's a time where Jesus said, one day many will stand before me and say, Lord, we did all this in your name, and Jesus is going to look at him and say, I never knew you. Remember, those are the people that, that say, we did all this religious stuff. We're your children. You know, academically, you can know that Jesus is God and that he died on the cross for sins and never be in his family. Because he never did what we talked about last night where you say, God, I know I'm separated from you and I put my trust in your son. Academically, Jesus knows, uh, academically, Satan knows more than you do. And he's Satan. He knows Jesus is Jesus. He knows he's God. He knows he lived. He knows he died. He knows he rose again. He knows all that stuff. The academic part doesn't get you anywhere. False teachers, people who don't really know God, if they're really cleverly being used of Satan, will appear as if they do. Your only defense is to know God. Your only defense is to understand who God is. I, I have once, there was, at one time in particular, I remember I was sitting in a church service, I was listening to the pastor speak, and he was so wrong. Very passionate, but very wrong. I couldn't handle it. I sat in the middle, I got up, I went outside, and I walked the city where that church was, and I prayed for that church. I couldn't handle it anymore. Just in one message. The, the thing that even bothered me, there were people going, hey, man, brother, you know, it's like, I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute, do you know how bad he, the things are he just said? They don't fit the Bible. But he has his Bible open, and he's going like this. The guy knew I left. He called me the next Monday and said, I want you involved in this project. And I said, I don't want to touch it. Told him why. Wasn't long after that where that whole church imploded. I thought, yeah. He was a good communicator, a gifted one. Be careful, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. They will lead many astray. They will lead many astray, not just a few, many, because that's how Satan works. Boom, get away from the truth just a little, just enough to get me in there, and then I'll keep getting you away. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed. Why? Because what's going to happen is a godless world's going to start falling apart. That should, that's the expectation you should have. The godless world will start arguing and fighting. There's no criterion for truth. There's nobody that's right. The might will now be right because there is no absolute. 
For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Verse 8 says, but these are just the beginning of birth pains. You know, men, this is not a passage to cause us to despair. It's a passage to so that our expectations are in the right spot. The earth that we live on is not permanent. One day God will come. We will be taken out of here for his children. This place is temporary. It will wear out like a garment. And one day there'll be a new heavens and a new earth, and our Heavenly Father will be the one in charge. And that's why we do what we do, because we want all people to enjoy the mercies and the grace of God for eternity. Because all of us are going to be a dud a whole lot longer than we're alive. Yet we act like we're going to be alive a whole lot longer than we're dead. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9, they will deliver you up. You that actually know the truth. He's talking to the disciples. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. When you know the truth, this is how you will be treated. By the way, this isn't the goal. This is not something that any believer should go out and say, I want to I be persecuted. I, I've heard believers talk about how wonderful it is to be persecuted. I look at them, what are you, nuts? You will be persecuted, I understand, but that's not the goal. The goal isn't persecute me. If you're doing that, what you're saying is persecute me so I can think I'm doing what I'm supposed to. You can just be an idiot and get persecuted. Or you can do what's right and be persecuted because you just did what's right. But it says they'll deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Here's the reason you'll be hated. Because of me. You know, God, if I'm hated because of him, don't you think he'll take care of that? He knows why I'm hated. And he's the one they really hate, not me. I'm the one they can see. So I'm the one they hate. The goal is not that they would hate me. Obviously, the goal isn't that they hate God. But Jesus is saying, get your expectations right. They will. Because the evil one is in this world. And many, he says, and, and death will be hated by nations for mine sake. Verse 10, and many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Look at our culture today and the hate, even within the church, the hatred. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be increased. Oh, lawlessness. Because the way it was meant to be will be ignored. That's what it means. Because the way it was meant to be will be ignored. Laws aren't given to us to control us. They're given to us so that we can be free. Okay, the law of gravity, right? How come we can fly airplanes? Because we understand the law of gravity and we use it. We don't break it, we use it. The law of gravity, lift, we use the principles to fly. Why can I go into Walmart and buy something? Because there are laws against people going in there and taking things without buying it. 
Walmart can make a profit so they keep their shelves full. So the laws about not just ripping them off are good so I can go in there and buy product. I'm free to go in there because of the laws. Doing what's right is not legalism. Doing what's right is wise. And when you live in a culture where they're not gonna do what's right anymore, that's lawlessness. And, and we live in a culture where right now nobody wants to tell you this is what's right. This, that's lawlessness. Because there is, on a basic generic level, there's a right. There's a wrong then. If there's a right, there's a wrong. Some of us want to think there's a right, but no, we're not going to talk about wrong. No, it, it comes together. So, so there's a right and there's a wrong. And when we get in a society or a church or a family that refuses to acknowledge right and wrong, that's lawlessness. And, it, and Jesus is saying, warning us, saying, and many will fall away, betray each other, hate each other. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. The love that grows cold is another danger signal that lawlessness is in place. I don't know how many young people you talk to them and you, you think, do you, do you love God? Well, I, I think so. If you were to come to me and say, do you love your wife? And I would go, well, yeah, I hope so. Maybe, I think I do. You go, not good answer. Are you amazed? Are you amazed by God's mercy and grace? If not, then you've never been convinced of your own depravity. Are you amazed by his love? By the fact that he wants you? You see, lawlessness as it increases, the love that we have, the obedience we have to God decreases. You know, I don't want to be a legalist. You shouldn't be. You know, it's really funny. Legalism and people who do things from conviction do the same things. The action isn't making you legalistic. It's the reason you do it. The action itself isn't legalism. It could be wisdom. So, so for me, you know, I, I, in our marriage, certain rules, you know, I'm not going to be alone with women. I'm not going to take any other women out to eat by themselves. I'm not going to do that. Legalist. No. Wisdom. Why do you do it? I want to look really good. Legalist. I do it because I love my wife, and this is how I can demonstrate it. Wisdom. Same action. One's legalistic, one's not. It's so easy for the church to fire off that legalism word to anyone who does anything with conviction. Are oh, you legalist? It's like, really? How do you know that? Did you get in their heart and you know that now? 
it's really probably good for people to have standards and rules and things in their life that they abide by. Because there's a lawlessness out there that we have to be careful about. There's a deceiver out there we have to be careful about. There's things that we need to have, our, we need to guard our hearts somehow. That doesn't happen by mistake. It doesn't happen like, oh yeah, I accidentally guarded my heart all my life. Those are intentional things. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end, the one who endures to the end, interesting phrase, will be saved. Somebody see it teaches us to work. No, no, no. The word saved is used a lot in the Bible for many things. What do you save from? All the garbage that happens to those who are lawless. Look, some of you have been in families that have fallen apart, and, and there's been a lot of scars and things, and look, that's not the way God intended it. Imagine if you didn't have to go through that. You'd be saved from all that. Children would be saved from all that. That's what it's talking about here. You'd be saved from all the lawlessness, all the stuff that comes with it. You know, you beat your head on a rock, you get a headache. If you don't beat your head on a rock, you're saved from the headache that you would have gotten. You say, boy, Dave, you're brilliant. Thank you for helping me not have a headache. You're welcome. I just told you not to beat your head on a rock. But that's what's being said here. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel, the good news of the kingdom, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Oh, that's what Jesus said. So while he was sitting there on the Mount of Olives, thinking, that's what he was thinking. I'm glad the disciples asked him, what's up? Here's what's up. These are the same expectations you and I have to have. You know, I know that if I love God, do everything right in this world, there'll be people who hate me. I, I really don't like that part. Because the hate isn't what I'm after. But it's going to be there. I need to expect it. Therefore, I'm not abandoning God when it happens. I also know that in this life, this life is temporal. I'm going to die. I'm actually going to die of something. I, I don't know what. Unless Christ returns and I'm out of here, I'm, I'm going to die of old age. I'm going to die of cancer. I'm going to die of something. Because that's the way it works. In fact, God already knows what it is. And here's what I also know. That he loves my family. And he'll prepare them for that day. Because of his love. So I don't fear death. I also don't say, let's go bring it on. That's not my choice. You see how stability comes to those who know the truth? Wickedness, iniquity, unrighteousness, transgression. These things will be increased because of the lawlessness will increase. I want to encourage you guys to look at your life, and if the love of God is decreased, it's because the lawlessness has increased. Again, I'm not asking you to be legalism. I'm asking you to know what the Bible says and adjust your life according to the way it's meant to be. That's the first desire you have. You don't sit one day and say, I desire to be a legalist. You know, that, that's not what you do. But you can desire to live in a manner that it was meant to be. And then keep looking for it. 
And when you're not there, you adjust. You adjust, you adjust, you adjust. For years, I, I was a defensive tackle in, in college and a defensive um, end, mostly a defensive end, and, but I played both positions, and I yes, I'm too small for it. But one of the things that I used to do is get trapped. And, and for some reason, the trap play I was vulnerable to all the time. Coaches came one day and said, Dave, you know, we got a nickname for you. So what is it? Don't get trapped wager. He said, yeah, I know, I know. I get trapped all the time. You know why, Dave? Yeah, because I get trapped all the time. You know, Dave, what happens is you're standing there on the field and everyone disappears in front of you. And there's a quarterback standing there with the ball and you salivate. Yeah, you got it. That's why. Yeah, well, I want you to understand something. When everyone disappears, you're in trouble. Next time that happens, would you please think it through? When everyone disappears, I was on the right side. So when everyone disappears, I want you to look to your left. Get down with your knee up and put your arm over it. Just do that. Next time I played, got wiped out again with the trap. I remember once and all of a sudden, as I got wiped out, I, I thought, oh yeah, everyone disappeared. Next time the trap came, because once it worked, they liked using it. Next time it came, I looked to the inside, put my arm over my knee, stopped it, turned around, made the tackle, and the team on the sidelines went nuts. It's like, he did it! I thought, actually, it was rather simple. All I had to do was listen to what the coach said. The coach knew I was messing up. He knew that that one play was something I needed to learn. Look, I was mastering all the other stuff. I just, for some reason, that one I just didn't get. Coach knew it. He kept telling me what to do. He kept doing what he needed to to get me in the right position. I don't know when God's going to get Dave Wager where he belongs. I mean, he's up in heaven now saying, you know, you know the nickname I got for you, Dave? You know, whatever it is. Don't be stupid, Dave. Why? Because you keep doing this. Dave, don't you understand when this happens, do this. And you'll be fine. I'm not going to take you out of the world. You're the ship in the world. Just don't let it in you. When this happens, do this. The Bible's full of that. Why? Because it's telling us this is the real world. This is what you, this is what you do. Oh, you, you want the world to stop being bad and nasty? Not happening. Narrow road, narrow gate, not happening. Get the right expectations. Unrighteousness right now is the new normal for us in our nation. Each man does what's right in their own eyes, leaving us in total chaos. When the normal is the absence of normality, chaos rules. You just remember that. When the normal is the absence of normality. So if I were to say to you, what's normal? What's a normal marriage look like in the United States? You go, oh, there is none. When normal is absent, chaos rules. Because each man does what's right in their own eyes. And before you know it, we're in the time of judges. And the time of judges, I think it's 13 times it went through that cycle. 
because they kept ignoring God. The classic verse that, that displays that, the classic line that displays our nation is that right now. And close with the idea of how Satan keeps working his way into our brains. I have a whole series I do on, on, on what I call hours of influence. You know, Satan would love to get into our minds and captivate us hour after hour after hour after hour. There's a biblical principle. Meditate on my word. How often? Day and night. So why? So you can do according to what I say. Satan knows. Hmm, that's how we do it. We got to get him to meditate on something else. That's why I do those podcasts. That's why I do different things. Like, no, we, we need to somehow meditate on God's word. We need to meditate on the truth. So we have to do that. So Satan's on the other side going, no, meditate on CNN. Meditate on Fox News. Meditate on, on, on the goofiness of, you know, the San Francisco people. Excuse me, I'm a Midwesterner. You know, meditate on this. Meditate on that. Yeah. Uh, it's not evil to be obsessed with Facebook. Maybe not. But what it does is it starts to move me away from where I need to be. So I need to limit the things like that. Uh, it, Facebook might have its value. I have no idea. Other things might have its value. But remember, as they start to take over the hours of influence, I was talking to a pastor once, and we were talking, and he said, we got a great youth program. I said, really? Best. He said, how many hours a week do you have a kid in here? A good kid, a kid that does everything you want him to. Well, there's, let's see, the club night, we have an, an hour program then, and, and then we have uh, Sunday school. That's an hour. Well, not quite an hour. And, you know, church, too. I said, so three hours a week for the good ones? Yeah. How many hours a day do these kids watch television? You're satisfied with that? You think you're actually winning their brains? Well, what are we supposed to do? I'm not saying the church is the answer. I'm saying the family is. The bottom line really is you've got to understand there's all these inputs that are going on all the time. And if all the hours of influence, Satan controls them, you're in trouble. You've got to readjust the hours of influence. I think in all of our lives, we need to really understand how we're being influenced. Because Satan is sneaky enough, he won't come to you and present himself as a jerk. Hi, I'm evil and I'm nasty and I would like to control your life. That approach isn't going to work. He comes and presents himself as an angel of light. That's a little more dangerous. He comes and presents himself in ways that you would find totally acceptable to start with. And then he gets you into something until you feel hopeless and helpless. And actually, when you feel hopeless and helpless, you're in your right spot for God. So just go back to God. Say, <laughs> so, you know what? I'm helpless and hopeless. He goes, I know. I'm not. You are. 
You know, if I could ask you one practical thing as we end is, please watch the hours of influence in your life. Let the hours of influence be the scriptures, Christian music, whatever you need to do to put into your head. You know, if I'm working out in the yard, a lot of times I'll put my little, whatever you put in your ears, and I keep forgetting the name of the thing, but put them in. And I, sometimes I just play the Bible being read. And it's funny, I do that because I know Satan's still around and he can't handle God's word, so I'm, I'm kind of saying, get out of here. Even if I'm not listening, it's going out. And since you don't like his word, I'm going to play it. I don't know if it does any good against him or what. I'm just saying, that's my principle. Keep God's word. Keep the truth there. And minimize the evil one getting into your life. Even if you play the Bible somewhere, just minimize the evil one. Maximize the truth. Honestly, quite honestly, I don't really watch the news anymore very much. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll sneak a peek at it to try and see what's going on in Green Bay or something. But other than that, I really don't, the national news, I can't remember the last time I watched a national news broadcast. I really don't care. I think, it, it, for me, I think that's a hopeless situation. I'm going to put my hope where it belongs. I'm going to concentrate on spending time with the people that I can love, and I can love God, and I'm going to get up every day and do what's right. And it's not that I'm totally ignorant about what's going on. I'll, I'll have the printed news somewhere, and I, I can choose what I want to read. Bottom line is I want to watch the hours of influence in my head because every newscaster spends it to be what they want it to be. Another study, interesting, you go back and look at George, uh, Edward Bernays, who is Freud's son, Freud's nephew, and he's the father of marketing. Anyone that's taken any marketing knows that Edward Bernays is the father of all modern marketing. It used to be called propaganda, then it got called marketing, now it's called branding. And by the way, marketing isn't evil in and of itself, telling people about your product, but propaganda is. But we're so used to propaganda, even in the church, how we deal with things, trying to convince people of something. I'm not going to try and convince you of the truth. We'll let truth convince you by itself. God can do that. I don't need to. I need to present it and either see you respond or take my look. And that's what I need to do. That's what you need to do. So I'm asking you, spend more time in the truth and less time in the lies and see if your life doesn't start to traject different, if traject is a word. Make it up, otherwise. There's great hope for our nation if we turn to God. If we don't, there's no hope for our nation. I can control myself in that respect. So can you, so make the right choices. And let's see. Let's get together again a year from now. Let's see what God has done. And continue to encourage each other and stimulate each other to good works. Continue to read God's word. 
continue to let it guide our lives and just see what God does with it. We don't have to change the world. We have to start by just knowing the truth ourselves, living within it, and adjusting our lives according to the way it was meant to be. And when we do that, we'll see results, the results that he wants. Stephen probably thought he was a failure. But when he looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God, you do know that all the symbolism of standing is to show honor. And Jesus, God, the creator of the universe, honored Stephen, one of his creations, because Stephen listened to him. Can you imagine one day when you die or I die, would it be cool to see Jesus stand? That he would have so much honor for the fact that you listened to him, that he stood. I don't know that that happened ever again. It's not recorded. I don't know that it will happen ever again. I'm not saying that's the standard for Jesus because that's not what the Bible teaches. I just know in the case of Stephen, for some reason, we got a glimpse of it. And he did. And I thought, hmm, that's pretty powerful by itself. And then these people threw stuff at Stephen, and I think, did he feel it after this point? Might have, but did it matter? I'm not, I'm not thinking it did. I, I don't know. Maybe someday I see Stephen, and he'll say, yeah, you know, it still hurt, pal. I don't know. But one day you and I will be in that same spot where regardless of how we leave this planet, our next view will be that of the king. What's his response going to be to you? What's his response? Because he's not going to lie. That's what you can do now. You can, you can prepare for that response now. You say, well, I failed up to now. You know, the Bible tells us we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and that he forgets those sins as far as the east is from the west. Don't live in the past. Live with your eye on what God can do in the future. Do what you can today to put yourself in the right position today. Enjoy him. Do it in public. Enjoy God and do it in public and see where it goes. Father God, thank you that we could meet. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for each of these men. I pray that your spirit will work in their hearts. If any of the men here are still not your children, I pray that you draw them to yourself. And those of us that are, Father, I ask that you continue to convict us for you alone know what needs to be done in each of our lives to bring us to yourself, to set up so that whatever happens in the world that we glorify you. And whatever time in history we are, we can rest in the fact that you win. And we can be on your winning team and be participants in it just by listening to you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.